Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your fill-in host, Eric Ferris, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and women's pastor Jen Kelly. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Gentlemen, it is so good to be here today. Thank you for having me. We're glad that you're here. (laughs) Sorry. If you're, not, if you're new to the podcast, uh, Eric it tends to hit all sorts of things to surprise us on there. But we're excited to have Jen here because Jen is is new to Christ Community Church. So it's not just first time on the podcast, but uh, also just kind of the, the first few months that she's been here. So we're excited to have you here. Yeah. I'm thrilled that she uses words like brave and tenacious. Those are two really good words. Pretty awesome. All right, Clayton, what kind of question do you have for all us right. today? Just uh, before we dive in, the question is, would you rather... Go bald or be cursed for the rest of your life to have bad haircuts. And I feel like once, I, once, once we pick this, I realized this is a little unfair to ask two men and one woman about this because it's more socially acceptable for us to go bald. But we got to ask the question. Fair is where you get cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so this question is a hard one for me because I have a thing about my hair and I think most women do. But if I had to if I had to take the choice, I would I would rock the baldness. Yeah. Totally. There are some women out there that absolutely can can rock it. Yeah. I don't want to have a bad haircut. <laughs> what about you, Eric? I don't want a bad haircut either. But I have a problem. I'm pretty sure that my bald head is all kinds of like <laughs> misshapen and knobby. And so I'm afraid that if I lose my hair, it is not going to be good. So I, I, I was bald for, I, I, I bicked my head one time. So like when I was in, when I was in high school, I shaved down to like quarter inch or whatever. So here, a couple of things about this. First, uh, I, I have curly hair. If I grow it out, it's like really, really curly. Um, I kind of like tame that most of the days, but I didn't know that until I like buzzed my head and for like six or seven years had no hair. And then when I grew it out, I found out my hair is curly, but I was bald at the time. The problem is this. I, I think I have like developed little moles or things. Cause I can like feel a thing on the back of my head that I'm like, I don't think I could do that again. <laughs> Are we talking about moles? Because So I'm like, Just I think I, I could have pulled off bald when I was 18, when I did it. But I don't think I can pull it off now because I, I think there are, there are bumps and moles and weird things under that hair that I, I've not seen. Okay, so how about we do this? You and I make a pact <laughs> that we will shave our heads bald and then we can do like a, when we do the live podcast. The live podcast? We're going to do another podcast episode live on the stage during weekend services. What if you and I just both show up bald? We could do that. <laughs> if you can give it Nikki to do it too. I, I don't know. I don't know about being like being the other bald teaching pastor at Christ community. Like we've already got one. He kind of has a monopoly in that. No, actually he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, no. We got a lot of, we got a lot of bald men running around this joint. All right. What are we doing today? Clayton, you're the kind All right, of guy. We are doing Acts chapter 15. Um, we are continuing on in the story of the early church. And uh, the, the passage we talked about last week actually is a, a like a good prelude to this one because it was the story of Peter who was the first person to go to someone who was not Jewish, a Gentile, a guy named Cornelius, and to share the gospel with him. And they found out God is welcoming in the Gentiles. So the Holy Spirit comes on a bunch of Gentiles uh, and the uh, Peter who's Jewish has to say, 
am I okay with this? And so kind of he and his group of people, they tell the story, they work it through and they say, I guess God is doing this, but word gets out and it becomes a thing in the uh, wider, you know, Christ following community. So the, the church is mostly Jewish and they are looking at uh, a, a church that has developed in the city of Antioch and they have fully embraced the, we're going to have Gentiles as a part of our community. And now the other, you know, Jewish Christian communities are looking at that and saying, okay, how do we manage this? So this is essentially uh, a passage about how the early church dealt with the complexity of welcoming in the Gentiles. Like it wasn't just whether we will, but how will we do that? Uh, and so this actually, um, the reason this comes up multiple times in Acts is because in the early church, we know almost every community was struggling with this. So if you read Paul's letters, um, he's often addressing churches asking these questions. So it's just something that's like the topic of conversation for the day. So it comes up multiple times in the book of Acts, uh, but we're going to read in chapter 15, uh, starting in verse one. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers that unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who had belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of the strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. 
All right, we are going to go to the next step in the comma method, which is O, observation. And so what we're doing here, um, always as we're going through these, we are trying to model the kinds of conversations you might have with uh, your community group or in your family, or if you're having a conversation about the Bible. And when we do observation, basically what we're doing is asking the question, what do we see? And we it's not like you have to figure all of it out. Uh, we're just asking, all right, what's there? What's striking? What's re- What do we see repeated? Uh, and so on. So uh, Eric and Jen, what observations do you see? in this passage? Well, I think the first striking one is uh, when the teachers come down from Judea and Antioch, and I mean, conflict is right off in verse one, right? You cannot be saved. And I underline that, and I, it just struck me as, here we do, like you, you said, we have this history of these Gentile Christians are now coming into the flock and we have mostly Jewish Christians, right? And the one thing that kind of almost disrupts it is by abiding the law, we start adding to our, our doctrine of theology or faith or whatever. And so it's, it's the striking thing. You cannot be saved unless you do this thing. Yeah. So you yeah. just stop right there. Like, whoa, 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 what just happened here? Yeah, that it, anytime someone says, here, here's a boundary, you can't be saved if you do that. That's yeah, definitely striking. What else? One of the things that sticks out to me is in verse 13, James speaks up and he is connecting now what he is seeing, experiencing, and hearing with what he thinks the prophets have already said will happen. And so as they're, as they're trying to figure this all out, I think James is doing a good job of trying to interpret his present by what the Lord has always already said in the past. Yeah, there's a, I, I really love the taking of, here's what we're experiencing and here's what the Bible says and bringing those two things together. Like there's, sometimes people will say, I'm, okay, here's what I'm experiencing. I'm gonna make sense out of that. Uh, but they do it without bringing in uh, what God's word says. Um, one thing that I noticed, so I, I was thinking about the, the the people who come and make the the strong line of like you cannot be saved unless you do these things. I was a, I was asking myself the question, what would make them say that? And and I realized like it makes sense to them because they're looking at all the things that God has said thus far. Like this is it. We look back after <laughs> all of us are Gentiles in here, like not having to do all these things. But for them, we're talking about a matter of years and a whole long history before that, where they're saying, no, this is what would happen. Like if someone who was a Gentile wanted to become Jewish, we would make them go through these things. They'd get circumcised, they'd follow these rules, and they'd do these different things because it seems like it was what was written in the Bible. Like this is this is what's required. And so for them, like I almost want to sympathize a little bit. Like on this side, I feel like no, actually, these these are people who are going to put a barrier up and tell people they couldn't they couldn't come to Jesus because of this. But on their their perspective, they're trying to be faithful. Like they're trying to say, like I think this is what um, we're expected to do, and we'll welcome them in. But here's here are the checklist. You know, what else? I I, fi- I find the ending of this pretty funny. So of all will summarize in an unfair way what what we just read. So they're having this conversation. Do non-Jews have to do Jewish things to be a part of the people of God? And they're like, yes, no. Well, and one guy says, well, we couldn't even do them. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, are you guys kidding me right now? We couldn't do all this stuff, so why would we ask them to do all this stuff? And then James says, it's almost like he is trying to find the middle ground. He says, all right, what if we tell them they don't have to do all of the Jewish stuff, but just some of the Jewish stuff? And so he just picks some things. Now, I know it's yeah. not that haphazard and random, but it reads funny. But it feels like, I, all right, most of the things you can't do, but here's my fourth favorite yeah, or whatever. Like they like, have to do the Jewish things. They don't have the Jewish things. Well, how about if we only have them do some of the Jewish things? Yeah. So, so why, should we talk about that? Like, why does James end up in a place where he says, well, of course we're going to let them in, but let me give it just a, a sprinkling of things that we'd like them to do. Like, why those things? Well, I think for the, for the first part, they answer this question it really is salvation by grace through faith alone, right? They come very clear to that. And so, at the end of this chapter, you have these four weird, random blood, do not do sexual immorality, like those things. And when, and this is what I thought about a lot too, how do you as the church go and expand across social norms across religious backgrounds how how are we going to be able to come together right and fellowship without me offending you and i think that's the heart of those four things right there how are we going to get jewish christians and gentile christians together who have completely different customs backgrounds all of these different things we've we've settled this main theological issue but now we've got to have some rules and we've got to have some courtesies about how we interact with each other if the church is going to continue to be able to have a cultural, racial, and um, social expansion. Yeah. Yeah. If the, the, there's what ends up happening is you open the door to a whole bunch of people and they come in. And then all the people who are like, well, technically we're okay with that, but we don't, we don't know how to relate. Sometimes those people go out the back door, right? Like, so you could easily say, we're going to open the door to Gentiles. Gentiles are going to come in and do all sorts of things that like, like Jewish people say, I like, it's just, it's just, a, it's too hard for me to sit down at this meal and have them eat things that I don't, I don't feel comfortable eating and us doing this. And like, and like they, and instead of welcoming, they flee, Right. So there is some like negotiation of how do those two groups do it and still say, we're all kind of feeling a little uncomfortable here, but here's the lines that we can draw to say, I can stay at this table if we can, if we can do this together. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's kind of, it, some of it's ad hoc and some of it is, is, is thoughtful. I, I, there are obviously some things like sexual immorality. Clearly the rest of the New Testament just says, yeah, mostly that didn't change when it came from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's still on the books. Um, but the things like the, the food that we eat, there are so many places in the New Testament where it says, um, one, God, uh, Jesus has declared all foods clean. Um, and two, um, what you eat is a matter of conscience. Like, like if, if you, your conscience says, especially if they were, someone was Jewish was saying, I, you know, I know, I, I, I know Jesus said this was okay, but like after years of doing this, it still feels like I'd have to violate something that I'm uncomfortable with. I'm just not gonna go there. So they make these ways of saying, Let's not make food the thing that keeps us from sitting down together. And so when you're with Jews, respect the Jewish, Jewish the fact that they're going to eat like Jews. This is where sometimes the NIV study Bible notes, the notes in a good study Bible, 
which we're always telling everybody, get a good study Bible. We recommend the NIV study Bible, but there's lots of good ones out there. Uh, you look down in the study notes and it helps you with things like this because it can seem very random. They don't have to do the Jewish things, but here, let me throw four out there. Uh, so the note on verse 20, food polluted by idols. Oh, that one's not helpful. There's nothing there except see other verses in the New Testament, although that is helpful. Sexual immorality, a sin taken too lightly by the Greeks and also associated with certain pagan religious festivals. Meat strangled of, anim meat of strangled animals, thus retaining the blood that was forbidden to be eaten. Uh, blood, expressly forbidden in Jewish law, reference here may be to consuming blood apart from the meat. So I think there is both the how do we get along how do, we, how do we acknowledge that we're coming from different places and we all want to be in the same fellowship and we don't want to offend each other? But also, there are certain practices that are a part of culture that do not belong in the people of God, Jew or non-Jew. Well, sexual immorality would be one of them. But also, if, if this is a reference to not just eating food that has blood in it, but like drinking blood or being a part of some kind of pagan ritual that is so godless or so pagan, that certainly wouldn't be allowed to be accepted in the fellowship. Yeah. What else do you guys see? So one of my favorite parts, actually, um, I noticed repetitively when the two, uh, when people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching to the believers, right? Unless you're circumcised. The very next thing scripture tells us is that it it brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute, but then what did the church do? So the church sent them on their way, and then the church welcomed them. And then the church did this thing of like, hey, we got to get together and figure this out. And it caused me to pause because I think it's a beautiful example of what church leadership looks like and how we respond and act when there is conflict on the table, do we send out? Do we welcome? Are we asking the right questions? And are we listening to people's responses? And then Eric, to your point, I love, or maybe it was you that said it, Clayton. It, it wasn't just the testimony of the people, right? But then they took the testimony of the people and they examined it against God's word. And then they made a corrective action. Yeah. It, There's like a good process here. Yeah. It's kind of impressive because so so often we see bad process. You you know what I mean? Like or like what 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 happens like in uh in 21st century America if this if this issue came up what happens? You get two churches, right? Like um we just we just say we're not going to wrestle through the complexities of these things. It's just hard. Um and the fact that they did this um yeah, it's really really amazing. Observation from verse 11 where the conclusion drawn is we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Not based on the religious things that we do or they do. And this is one of the tensions that exists for the rest of the New Testament and fast forward all the way to our lives today. When you get to the, when you get to the end of the text we just read and James says, well, we're all saved by, yeah, let's all agree it is, Grace, faith, not the religious things we do that bring salvation to our lives. But this can't be a free-for-all. That's not what this means, right? Like we can't just 
come. Now we're forgiven. We've experienced salvation. So now we just get to do whatever we want, right? And so the a lot of the rest of the New Testament is exploring some of this idea as, as well, which is like, have we found some kind of cosmic loophole? Like God has to forgive us. And so now if we just ask for forgiveness, we are saved both now and for all eternity. But now we get to do whatever the heck we want. That, that can't be it. No, I wrote down the same thing. There is this tension that exists between law and grace really from this moment on. And we don't just see it play out here. We see it played out today. You know, he he mentions this yoke of slavery. I highlighted that too, right? Because when we go, when we start adding on things and rules and weird stuff to our faith, it creates this, this yoke and bondage and weight that we cannot get rid of. But to your point too, when we when we flip the narrative around or when we swing that pendulum, because we love to do that, and our faith is just about grace alone, but all of a sudden it doesn't matter what I say, what I do, how I live my life, then we get this willy-nilly sort of abstract God in the sky type of faith where we can do whatever we want to do. Yeah, that, that, that pendulum swing. And the, it's very often... Like you, you almost have to check yourself of which kind of person you are. You know what I mean? The person who's like, well, okay, the place where I feel comfortable is where there's no rules or the place where I feel comfortable is where it's all laid out really clear and I'm really rigid. So like we, t- we tend to go those ways. Um, but th- I, I love how it gets cut through by the, the like question they're asking. They're really asking how do we live together in love? And so um, there is the, the question of like, all right, what is actually honoring to God? Well, going in, like eating meat in an idol temple and worshiping is not what's honoring to the people around us. Well, it's not saying I'm going to flaunt, you know, I eat this food and you don't, and we're going to divide each other. Like there's uh, like Paul describes it later. He says like, look, the, the like nothing's against the law of love, right? Like the law of love is uh, like, it always works. Now it's not as simple as just like love and whatever. Um, but like, that's the root thing that gets away from, am I earning God's favor or am I free to just do whatever? It's like, well, no, you don't have to earn God's favor, but you're not free to do whatever because when you're, when like God has forgiven you, it means now you're freed up to like love the people around you in a way that's actually good for them, which is where all of the guidelines and rules and the things that we do actually do come from. It flows from that rather than the like, here's what you must do to be saved kind of thing. Any other observations you want to throw out there? I I just was thinking through um, the no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And one of the striking things, I know you guys have talked about Peter before um, on the podcast, but this is his actual last set of words in the book of Acts. Ooh. And so there's this transition that happens, right? Like in that they, they call this kind of like the centerpiece of Acts. You start seeing this transition of leadership from Peter to Paul. And then so you see the expansion of like the church and how we're going to go about doing that. And so I, I don't know how I feel about that because I, we all love Peter, right? All of us can identify with his antics and his story a little bit. But I love to think about the transition of leadership and what that might look like, you know, in our lives and our churches. Yeah, that's a great object. I I. I'm nice. not saying anything else after that. Nice. I love it. It's so good. All right, let's move on to the first M in comma, which is meditation. You can really do it in either order, but we're going to do meditation first today. And I, I reading through this, I found actually a number of different lines that I felt like were worthy of 
taking some time to meditate on. So you, as you've read this, you may say, here's, here's a line I really uh, grab onto. But the one that I, I want us to think about is in verse 19, where uh, James says, it's in my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, the reason I want us to ponder that is uh, that line there where we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. And so I want us to prayerfully ponder um, what that might mean for us, where the ways that we might be doing something that makes it hard for someone to say, can I be saved? Can I be accepted? Can I be welcomed in? Uh, where are the things uh, that we can uh, we are making it difficult for someone to turn to God? 45 seconds, prayerful pon- prayerfully pondering that line. Right. Let's talk about the second M in comma, which is message. What message do you get from this passage? Okay. So I, mine is keep the main thing, the main thing, the central heartbeat for cultural, racial, and social expansion of the church is belief through grace alone. So let's keep the main thing, the main thing, But then let's also be really considerate and thoughtful in our approach of integration and expansion. So kindness, just like what was happened here. Mine would be, you don't have to be like me to come to Jesus. So if I go back to the notion where they're saying you have to be circumcised to experience salvation through Jesus Christ, what they're saying is you have to become Jewish before you can follow Jesus. Well, a lot of people think that if I go to that church or if I become a Christian, do I have to be like those people? Well, it depends what you mean by that. You don't have to dress like me. You don't have to have my personality. You don't have to like the Yankees. Like we don't, we're not all clones of each other. Now our lives start to look more and more like Jesus. There starts to be some similarity and some commonality and the things we value because that's the work that the spirit does in us, the sanctification process. But to come to Jesus, you can come as you are, and be yourself. And you will continue to be yourself. You don't have to pretend. You, you, so there is no step. There is no other step besides coming to, coming to Jesus in faith. That's really good. I think what I'd say is um, uh, the message is eliminate both the barriers to entry and the barriers to unity. So both, like what they seem to be navigating are those two things, like what's going to stand in the way of someone coming in and what's going to stand in the way for us staying together. And I think asking both of those questions is really important to, especially, um, you know, in light of what you were saying, Eric, too, the like, a lot of times those barriers are the sorts of things that we say, well, you got to be like us. You, you, need to, you need to fit this mold. Um, and those are the things that are hard to see sometimes. And so sometimes the, asking the question, what, what am I doing? What are we doing? that maybe doesn't even feel like it, but it's a barrier for someone to come in 
or it's a barrier for unity that once we're in together, it feels like we can't we can't be together. Um, so so that's my message there. Let's talk about application. The A and comma. What do we do with this? I wrote I wrote down something, but my mind went somewhere else right now. I think I think we need to listen. And I know that sounds like really simple and really, I don't know, cheesy almost. But I think if we can actively listen just a little bit more to get to whatever the issue is or the root problem or whatever theological conversation we're talking about, then we can find solutions and go forward. We can understand, hey, is this a main thing or is it a secondary thing right here? Let's answer that. Okay, well, this is, you know, this is what's happening over here. This is what's happening over here. Let's understand the nuances. Let's understand other people um, without feeling the need to respond right away. Mine would be to try to remind myself that not everybody likes what I like. And here's what and here's what I mean by this. If you think, if you go back to the conversation, which is they need to be circumcised to experience salvation. So they have to become Jewish before they can follow Jesus. They say, no, no, they don't. I think what creeps into the church sometimes is the assumption that everybody has the same preferences or everybody has the same things they like. And so then we start to ascribe rightness or wrongness to those things, right? So a good worship service based on preference right? Well, this is good worship and this is bad worship. This is good preaching. This is bad preaching. And we can, we have such a narrow view of Christianity because our preferences are so, so informed and influenced by our cultural background that it's a small view of Christianity. Christianity works in every single culture on the planet. It's not cultural. It transcends culture. And so that is a very long-winded <laughs> answer. I could have just stopped with what I said at the beginning, but it's to remind myself not everybody likes what I like, and that's okay. Yeah, I think my application gets uh, down a similar road to, to, to those. Uh, but, it, but the particular way I'd put it is uh, when I come to church, think about it through a guest's eyes. So like I, anytime I bring someone to church, I have this, it's like this new experience. Like you go to a place that's familiar. Like you, I've gotten used to it over the years. I know what it's like. I know what to expect. These are people that I know and we, we've got rapport. And then my friend comes along, my neighbor comes along and it's like, oh, oh, wait, what are they going to think about that? What are they, you know? And all of a sudden you realize the things that don't make sense, the things that might be off-putting, the things where you at least have a question of saying, I wonder how they experienced that. And there's something really, really good um, of doing that. And you don't have to have someone literally there. It does help when you bring someone. Um, but those questions all throughout your religious life. So the, the things that you do that you say, this is what I do as a Christian, um, asking the question, if my friend was sitting here, who's not a Christian, or, or they come from a different culture, or they come from a different background than me, or they're a different age than me, what would they experience? Would they think this was normal? What would they want explained? Um, what would they say? I don't want to do that. Um, those are really, really helpful things when it comes to eliminating uh, the barriers. All right. Well, that's all we have for you folks this week. Jen, thank you for joining us on the podcast and everybody out there. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, check out biblesavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. 
Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.